Twenty-eight, the experiment. Chapter One. My name is Atamili Eskorth Istil. It is not a human name. It is an Endolite name. Not that humans reading this are likely to know what an Endolite is. I am the only one here on Earth. No, that is not completely true. There is one other, but he is not the Endolite he once was. He is now the host body to the Yerk who holds the rank of Visser Three. Endolites call him the Abomination. My duty is to someday destroy him. I am only an Arth, a cadet, but as any Endolite who ever reads this will know, Endolite custom demands that I avenge my brother's death. Alfangor was a warrior and a prince. Visser Three murdered him. I suppose I thought that Alfangor would live forever. He was fearless, honorable, perfect. It was a lot for a brother to live up to, because I am not any of those things. But the memory of my brother is why I look forward to the day when I destroy Visser Three. It is not simply a matter of duty. I cared very deeply for my brother. And I am not the only one who wants to destroy him and the other Yurks who have invaded Earth. Before he died, Alfangor gave five human youths the power to morph, as well as the truth about why they needed this power. Now these five humans are the only ones resisting the Yurk invasion, fighting to stop the Yurks from enslaving the entire human race, fighting to stop them from crawling into human brains and taking over all thoughts. Actions and memories. They are also the only ones who know about me. They are my people now, the only people I have here, so far from home. I am grateful for their friendship. I respect them too, which might be more important. But Tobias is the only one I might consider a true Shorm. A Shorm is a deep friend, someone who knows everything there is to know about you. The word comes from the Endolite's tailblade, which looks something like what you may know as a scorpion's tail. A shorm is someone you would trust to put his tailblade against your throat. Even though Tobias does not have a tailblade, or hooves, stem eyes, and fur, the way Endolites do, he is almost one of us. Alfangor was his father, and, as strange as it is to think of, I am, in Earth terms. Tobias's uncle, but I think it is the fact that he is almost as unique on this planet as I am that makes us close. Choosing life as a red-tailed hawk has set Tobias apart from everything he once knew. We are both unique on this planet, and both very much alone. There are times at night, as I search the dark sky for the home star, when I think about my real people, my family. I think about a life that might have been very different from the one I am living now, here on a distant planet, far from everything I once knew. The others, Prince Jake, Cassie, Rachel, and Marco, all have homes and families. Only Tobias and I do not. Tobias lives in a meadow that is his territory, and I, until recently, did not even have that limited amount to call my own. But now I have made my life a bit more comfortable. I have constructed a sort of scoop, what we Endolites consider to be a home. 
Like any scoop, it is mostly open, with only a small area covered by a semi-spherical roof. And in my case, the scoop had to be very small so that I could fold the roof down and erase all visual evidence of it. I had only a few things in the scoop. A world almanac that my friends had given me. A photograph of a delicious cinnamon bun. Some human clothing. And one other thing only recently acquired. One important other thing that has changed my life. A television. Chapter 2 Television, or as most humans say, TV. Ah, yes, TV. I never expected it to be so compelling. At first, I thought it would only be useful. I would watch the behavior of the humans on the flat, square screen, and listen to them speak. When I am in human morph, I need to be able to seem entirely human. But it is so much more than merely useful. It is a window into the human soul. Technologically, it is lovable, of course. But when you take into account the stunning array of programs, it rivals the cinnamon bun itself as the finest creation of human society. Tobias, too, enjoys TV. He comes every day to watch a show with me. It is called The Young and the Restless. It is very educational though I remain confused as to the cause of so much restlessness. TV allows me to observe much more human behavior than I see at the mall. I am still wondering why humans put their mouths together, and why they seem to enjoy it. My first thought was that they were transferring food, but that seems not to be the case. Look, Tobias, Victor and Nikki are doing that thing again. I pointed at the screen. They do this very often. Uh-huh. His hawk eyes were trained on the little screen as Victor tightened his arms around Nikki. It's called kissing, X-Man. Just like yesterday and the day before. Kissing. Everyone does it. Of course, you need lips. I know what it is called. And the role of lips is self-evident. I simply do not know why it is performed. Ah, well... Tobias rearranged his wings noisily. It's definitely got a purpose. By the way, Marco's heading this way. Yes, I know, I said. I saw him two minutes ago, although he is trying not to be seen. I heard him three minutes ago and saw him four minutes ago. Tobias said. Tobias is competitive when it comes to his senses. His hearing and sight are both better than mine, but I am able to look in all directions simultaneously, something he cannot do. You did not, I said. Did so, Tobias countered. Nothing like the joys of daytime TV, huh? Morco said, stomping up through the underbrush. Did not. I said to Tobias. Marco grinned at me. Snuck up on ya, didn't I? Yeah, right, Marco. Tobias said tolerantly. Marco laughed. He knew he had not surprised us. His claim to have snuck up on us was human humor. It is inexplicable, and intellect readers should simply resign themselves to never understanding. 
And by the way, why are you not in school, young man? Hey, I can't be controlled by the man's arbitrary schedules. I come and go as I please. I am free. No one holds me down. Teacher conference, Tobias said. Yeah, they let us out early. So, what's on the tube? Is this... Whoa! Who's that? And does she always walk around wearing a towel? Well, I'm hungry. I gotta go find a mouse. See you, Axeman. Later, Marco. Tobias said, and then he spread his wings and was gone. Watching a soap, huh? Marco said, nodding his head. Soap? I was confused. No, this show is about humans who are both young and restless. Marco sighed. Whatever you call it, it basically reeks, you know. I think it's time I introduce you to some better programming, Axe. Buffy. Party of Five, maybe. Cops. South Park. Something. Anything better than this. Although, she is hot. Yes, she is hot. That is why she often wears less artificial skin. Yeah, well, I think you may have your cause and effect turned around there. Hey, you know what you need? A TV guide. I bristled. I understand how to operate the TV. Human technology is... Take it easy. Murko held up his hands. Everything with you has got to be literal. TV Guide is a little book that tells you what shows are on and when. Come on, I'm bored. Let's cruise. The notion of a guide to all that TV has to offer was attractive, but I would have to morph my human form to go into town. Perhaps we could obtain cinnamon buns as well, I suggested. Why not? Maybe we'll run into Jake at the mall. He can buy. Every morph is a surprise. The last time I morphed to human, my own more or less humanoid ports, my head and arms, changed last. This time, they were first. I felt teeth growing beneath my lower face. In fact, my entire human mouth, consisting of a hinged jaw, teeth, tongue, and saliva-producing glands, was fully formed before lips appeared. Lips form an open hole in the bottom third of a human face. The hole is used for eating and for forming mouth sounds, as well as kissing, spitting, vomiting, and belching. Humans do a great deal with their mouths, most of it rather pointless. My more numerous fingers disappeared, melting into ten stronger, thicker human fingers. My stock eyes retracted into my head, leaving me unable to see behind me without either turning my head or turning my entire body. My front legs shriveled away, leaving me to perch precariously on my two hind legs. Of course, humans have only two legs and no tail at all, so they go through life constantly on the verge of falling over. My blue fur was the last to go, replaced by my own particular shade of human skin. Human skin comes in a variety of shades, none of them attractive. At least not to me. If you are a human, you must find something attractive about your fellow humans. Humans who are young and restless are almost continuously in a state of attraction to others. When I was fully human, awkward, slow, and devoid of natural weapons, I put on my artificial skin. Humans call it clothing. 
I am ready, I said, making mouth sounds. Ready. Red E. Red E. How about putting on a shirt? Murko asked. The men who are young and restless do not wear shirts. I am young, and I am occasionally restless. Axe? Yes, Morco. Put on a shirt. I did. Then I folded my scoop down so that nothing, including the TV, would be visible, not even to a human walking directly over the spot. I walked with Marco out of the woods, across the furthest fields of Cassie's farm, toward the mall. It took a long time. Humans walk very slowly, a result of having only two legs and no tail. We crossed fields and then walked along a street, a path for cars. Then, well, hello, Marco. Hey, Axe, someone called. Marco stopped short and looked around, turning his entire human head in order to see in different directions. Who said that? Here, Marco. I turned my human head to follow the voice. It was a truck painted with the word FedEx, and it was talking to us. Chapter 3 What is this, candid camera? Moko said. No, I believe it is a hologram, I said. It was the logical explanation. Trucks, which are large-wheeled vehicles used by humans to transport what they call stuff, does not have the power of speech. And in any case, I recognize the particular qualities of that voice. Marco made a disgusted face. Hologram? Is that you, Eric? Who else? Come on in. You're not being watched. There's a woman right across the street looking at us. She's one of us, Marco, Eric said. Marco and I walked directly into the side of the truck. I stepped through the blue and red letters to see Eric King. He was not in his usual guise as a human boy since he was using his holographic emitter to create the truck. Instead, he appeared as the Chi android he really is. The Chi are a race of highly sophisticated androids, created by a race called the Pemelites. The creators are gone. Only their creations remain, posing as humans. The Chi are programmed with specific traits. Nonviolence is one of those traits. And as much as Eric despises the Yurks, and as powerful as he is, he must limit his anti-Yurk activities to espionage. He and his fellow Chi are quite effective in that area. A Federal Express truck? Moko said. Isn't that copyright infringement? Eric formed a metallic grin. They can call my lawyer. He was Moses' law professor. The Chi are also very, very long-lived. I have news, Eric said, serious now. Well, I didn't think you set this up to invite us over for pizza, Marco muttered. Let him speak, Marco, I said gravely, touching his arm. Jack, who is one of the youngest and most restless, does this often when he is trying to be understanding. Marco and Eric stared at me. The Yurks, Eric said finally. 
We've learned they've used several fronts to purchase an animal testing laboratory and a meatpacking plant. Huh? A meatpacking plant? I repeated. Meat? Meatpacking? It's where humans take animals, cows, pigs, chickens, to be slaughtered and then packaged for sale in the supermarket, Eric explained. Are you telling me I should worry about where my next Big Mac is coming from? Marco said. We're not sure. We don't really know what they're doing with either facility. But we do know that they were purchased at about the same time. So we're certain there must be a connection. When did they acquire these facilities? I asked him. Facilities. It was a good word for mouth sounds. So many syllables. About a year ago, Eric shook his android head. Unfortunately, we just learned about the purchase. The Yorks are being extremely secretive about these projects. Marco sighed. You know, Eric, bumping into you is never a picnic. Why do we care if the Yorks want to make burgers for a living? I don't know, Eric admitted. Maybe you don't care, but the Yorks wouldn't be this secretive if it were nothing to worry about. You said they also had a laboratory, I prompted. What is its purpose? Don't know that, either. Let me ask you this. How about if we just forget all about this and don't tell Jake, and we all go to the mall and see how many cinnamon buns Axe can eat before he explodes? I have already performed that experiment, I said. Marco nodded. Okay, then I guess we go tell Jake and the others and launch off into some dumb mission that'll end up with me screaming and running for my life. Sound good? You could always go catch a burger instead, Eric said brightly. Marco shook his head bitterly. They're messing with the burgers, man. Now it's definite. The Yurks must be destroyed. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, I don't have too much this week, other than I think we are officially into the a chunk of, like, middle books that were ghostwritten that I don't really have a ton of memory about. So this will be a fun trip of rediscovery, both for me and you. Um, <laughs> uh, but beyond that, we uh, I, I just have one message this week, and it's coming from our friend Willis the Arths, uh, who writes it on Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, and says... Uh, Damn, TT goes from asking her out to clearly dropping a, derog- a derogatory term for women. I think Rachel made the right call. Um, yeah, uh, seems like TT maybe is kind of a jackass. Uh, but, you know, find, find me a 12-year-old boy who isn't, you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think Tobias is the right call here for her. I, I don't think she could date a quote-unquote normal guy. Um, Certainly not uh, one who definitely has some unresolved misogyny, as, again, most 12-year-old boys do. Uh, Thank you for writing in, Willis. If you'd like to write in, you can do that through Tumblr. Uh, That's, once again, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. You can do it on Gmail. That's audiomorphscast.gmail.com. You can do it through my website. That's theapocalypse.com. The Apocalypse, like Apocalypse, with a D in the middle. Uh, You can also write to me on Twitter. That's at audiomorphs. Uh, which is also where you should check if I'm ever late posting. Uh, I will I will have a reason there. 
And last but not least, you could write me a review on Apple Podcasts, and I will read that as well. Uh, that's all I got for you this week. Uh, you know, new books, so we're still in that kind of early stages where we're learning what a yerk is again. So not not too much to say, but um, I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>